Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And speaking of traveling the world, we're currently here in the northern Philippines in an area called San Fernando, La Union. And uh, I've had to actually come here to Internet Cafe just to get good internet, to do my coaching calls, my podcast interviews, and my online courses. So uh, bear with us as we deal with the internet problems as traveling, but this is all part of the digital nomad journey. Life is a digital nomad means you're never going to have perfect internet. One of the things I love to do is interview fellow friends of mine, uh, fellow Vancouverites, fellow Canadians, fellow event producers, fellow entrepreneurs, and fellow authors. And I have one on the show here today. A guest is joining us live on location from Vancouver, BC, Canada. She is uh, the founder of WOW, Women of Worth, uh, which is an amazing event series. Uh, she puts on an amazing annual retreat in an area called Vernon in the Okanagan. She also has produced three collaborative books in the last year alone. So we're going to be uh, talking all about how you, uh, who are listening and watching, can also produce your own collaborative uh, books and produce your own events and retreats as well. So super excited to invite a guest on the show here today. Her name's Christine Aram, and she's the founder of WOW, Women of Worth. Christine, how are you doing there in beautiful Vancouver today? Ah, I'm doing wonderful. It's just so nice to breathe fresh air again. We've had the forest fires coming through and that finally cleared up in the last two days. We've got blue sunny skies again and life is good. Yeah, you know, it's uh, ironic when you mention that because when I, when I think of people in Vancouver, they usually don't like the rain. But on my social media, all my Vancouver friends, they're like, hallelujah, there's rain and thank God for the rain. And I'm just like, are you sure these are people from Vancouver? Thanking God for the rain. And of course, it has to do with the forest fires, which uh, obviously the rain will help alleviate the forest fires and clear up the air. So definitely uh, great news there about uh, the forest fires, uh, you know, um, residing and of course the clean air. So uh, yeah, good news there. Good news there all around. Christine, uh, one of the things we like to do when we start a show is to get to know our guests better. So why don't we hear a little bit about your story and your, especially the journey from uh, you know, corporate career to becoming an entrepreneur. You've been running a WOW for like 15 years, you know, that's pretty impressive for any company owner, entrepreneur to run a company for that long in this day and age. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into entrepreneurship and how you especially started WOW, your amazing community. Okay, I'm happy to. I'll chunk it down into the short version because <laughs> there's a lot of stories that go with a lot of glasses of wine. But the short version is 15 years ago, I saw a real need having attended so many events myself that there were two types of events out there 15 years ago, especially for women. They were either completely professionally oriented, so it was all profession, how to increase your sales by 59% or how to do this, how to do that. So it was very, very specifically targeted to the professional world. Then on the flip side of that, there were the events that were the more personal development or spiritual development courses. And so they ventured fully into personal and there was no business to it whatsoever. And I kind of sat back and went, well, this is kind of weird because I like personal development and I like professional development. And most people I know are exactly the same as I am. And we're the same person, whether we're in the bedroom, the boardroom, the ballroom, it's still the same me. 
wouldn't it be cool if there was an event that encompassed all of that in one day? And so we had some personal, we had some professional, we had a whole lot of fun and uh, we had wine. Wine has become part of our brand. I think wine is very, very important and uh, it's full of antioxidants. It's a health drink. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Chocolate's a vegetable. It comes from a bean. Anyways, all I can say, at the same time, the whole woman of worth came to me like a download because I struggled with my sense of worth as a child. Um, and I had a lot of issues in my lifetime because I didn't have a high sense of value and worth and confidence. And so as I progressed along my path and became more confident and more in alignment with my sense of value and worth, you know, life just, of course, got much better. So I realized that this was an underlying, at first I thought it was my own dirty little secret. This was just me who struggled with this. And then the more I started talking to people about it, the more I realized, no, it absolutely was not just me. Almost everyone deals with this to one degree or another. And then the big shining moment for me, I'll never forget, is I was reading an article in Oprah magazine, and Oprah was interviewing Barbara Streisand. Now, I grew up in an era where Barbara Streisand, like she was the be-all to end-all. She was a superstar. There was nothing this woman could not do. And so here's Oprah interviewing Barbara Streisand, and she says, yes, I am dedicating this tour to finally believing I am enough. And I was gobsmacked, Ricky. I was just gobsmacked. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Barbara Streisand struggles with her sense of value and her sense of worth when mm. she's just mega everything. Mm. And so I went, well, obviously it's not just my dirty little secret. This must be affecting everyone. So WOW was born. That's kind of, you know, how it all came about. So we started putting on events and dealing with personal and professional issues, having a lot of fun, drinking some wine, and really focusing on empowerment. And it just grew from there. It was an evolution. I really didn't know what I was doing at the beginning, to be perfectly honest. It was like, what do they say? Uh, ready, fire, aim. That, <laughs> instead of ready, aim, fire, that was me. I didn't really think this through as a business model at all at the beginning. It was a calling. And so I followed the calling and it led me into these wonderful, wonderful events where it was really empowering the lives of women on a larger and larger scale. And so we branched off and we started doing some other things. We've had, you know, some monthly evenings, which we're bringing back called Wow Talks, and we're branching out into Wow TV. But for now, the primary focus is on the annual event at the Spa Resort, where we have our amazing conference there, and these fabulous books. Because the books are a love affair with collaboration. And together we're stronger, and, you know, I fully believe that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. Well said, well said. Definitely. Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work, as they say as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Christine, thank you for sharing a little bit about that, the bird story, the conception story. You've been running this event series, uh, the community, for 15 years, all the way from infancy, like the newborn stage, to the kids stage, to now you're the teenage stage, like 15 years of uh, running a business. <laughs> And of course, uh, you know, like you go to the ups and downs, the highs and the lows. So uh, one of the common themes on a show is I love to hear the entrepreneur's journey because typically you hear the entrepreneur's success story. But I'm sure you've gone through the peaks and the valleys, feeling like giving mm -hmm. up, uh, financial ups and downs. So tell us about some of those more uh, struggling, the valley moments in your last 15 years of business. Uh, how have you dealt with it and how have you overcome 
It's interesting you ask that question because in our third book, which is just coming out next month, I, in my chapter in that book, I share the story and I actually call it the story that I've never told. And back in 2008, when the economy crashed, uh, that happened just as I was ramping up. My business had been growing and growing and the event had been growing and growing. And I was now gearing up to do an event for over a thousand women in Vancouver. And it had never been that big. And I went way out on a limb. All the contracts were in place. They had all just been signed. I had made all these financial commitments. All the financial commitments for marketing had all been in place, marketing materials, media. I mean, it was a big deal. And then I woke up one morning and here's the headlines. You know, um, the economy is crashing, dark days ahead. And everybody started pulling plugs. My sponsors pulled out. And because what happens is when the economy crashes um, or takes a dip, and especially on the scale that it did in 2008, a lot of corporates will tighten their belts. And the last thing they are going to spend money on is an event. They're not going to send their people to events. They're going to yank their sponsorships. Unless you're running an event going how to make money during a recession, <laughs> which is not what I was doing. Um, so everything crashed and I was left with all these financial commitments and I was absolutely distraught and I lost everything pretty much um, at that point because I had to honor my commitments or go through a bunch of legal battles. And, um, and so my first reaction was, I can't tell anyone. I have to hide this. I was ashamed. I felt like I'd screwed up. And so um, I was just, you know, I was just, I was so overwhelmed because I was trying to deal with it myself. And then I heard this voice going, well, Christine, the mind that got you into this problem is not the mind that's going to get you out of it. And a problem shared is a problem solved. And so the first person I went to was my amazing life partner, uh, who I've been with now for 11 years. And I, so I just told him everything. I said, I just have to tell you what's going on because I can't deal with this by myself. And he just looked me in the eye and he said, you know, I don't have an answer for you right in this minute, but all I can tell you is I've got your back and we'll figure it out. And so then I started to relax and he encouraged me to talk to some people in my tribe, in my community, and ask for advice and help on how to deal with this. So I still lost everything. You know, it's just what happened. Um, all this massive amount of money that I had plunked in, it poof, gone. It, it vanished. But my big learning around this was... I never want this to happen again on this scale because it was painful. It took a long time to recover a, a long time. Well, you know, by my standards, cause I like everything to happen yesterday. So, you know, but I went and got a coach because I went, yes, the mind that got me into this is not the mind that's going to get me out of it. So obviously I need to restructure some of the ways I do business and I don't know what they are. I don't have that knowledge. I need to get that knowledge from someone else. So I need to go and ask for help. And I did. And I accepted a small personal loan to help tide me through that very dark period of time just to get through that and survive so I could carry on. And I almost considered selling WOW at that time because we have a very positive brand and it had a lot of cachet. And I thought, you know, maybe I'm just supposed to walk away and start something fresh. And I had a number of business advisors that 
advised me to file for bankruptcy and I just couldn't I just couldn't do it. And I'm not saying that that would have been right or wrong. It's just for me personally, I just couldn't bring myself to go there. So I did get the advice that I needed. I got the coaching that I needed. Uh, I called in my tribe. I collaborated. This is what I do. And so it was time for me to really, really walk my talk on a deeper level. So we did recover. We did do some restructuring. And it allowed us to come back and come back even stronger than we had been before. And thank you for sharing that story. You've given us a little teaser to the upcoming book and the upcoming chapter. So. <laughs> yeah, I go into a little bit more detail about it in the book, for sure. Which is hashtag spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> so uh, I'd love to hear also about the successes. So the fact that you've been able to build up such an amazing community, the fact that you're able to hold uh, these annual events with people coming around from uh, the province and from different provinces, and maybe in out of state, out of country. So. How have you built such a successful community? What have you been your strategies there? How have you grown it? Uh, what mistakes have you made in growing it? But also, what strategies have you done to actually grow it well? Walk us through that part of your journey as well. Definitely, it comes down to, again, collaboration and team and what I call tribe. Uh, Fifteen years ago, when I came up with the word tribe, nobody was really using it then. You see it, you hear it all the time now, tribe. It's everybody's tribe this, tribe that. It's like, that's my word. But that's great. I love seeing this evolution that's been going on. And I really, really, truly believe that when women join together with a common purpose, miracles can happen. And my biggest thing is right from day one, it was never about competition for me. It was always about collaboration. That's how women operate best. And bear in mind that everything I say, there's exceptions to. But as a rule, women love to collaborate. And you get together, everyone brings their strengths to the table. And so what I'm brilliant at, somebody else, they would, you know, rather stab themselves in an eye with a fork. You know, it was like, never, ever ask me to do that one thing. And then things that I hate doing, and I don't like them, I'm not good at them, somebody else loves it, and they are brilliant at it. So when you collaborate and tap into everyone's inherent strengths and put them together, the sum becomes more. Uh, I don't know what the phrase is exactly, but anyways, the one plus one equals 11 kind of concept. And so that, I believe, was one of the very number one reasons why WOW became successful right from the beginning is because we always came from tribe. We always came from collaboration, not competition. And, um, and we were an idea that was slightly ahead of its time. As I said, a lot of people are now doing events that weave personal and professional together and focus on empowerment. But when I started, well, there really wasn't any of that going on. So it was an idea that the public was ready for. And there's a lot of advantage to being first. <laughs> uh, with, with that being said, being first is not required to succeed in anything because I've watched all of these wonderful women's empowerment organizations absolutely flourishing and growing and thriving, and I love seeing it. Yeah, they almost call it like the first mover's advantage in entrepreneurship or business, first mover's advantage. And, uh, you know, just the fact that you're a pioneer, a leader, a trailblazer in this movement uh, has caused you to be successful. Uh, so tell us about the actual uh, retreat you do, because you're based in Vancouver, and for those of our listeners of yours who don't know, Vernon is a smaller town in the Okanagan, which is about uh, three, four, or five hours away from Vancouver, depending on how fast you drive, depending on traffic, etc. So 
I get there in two hours. I'm exaggerating. Uh, yeah, I have a need for speed when I'm driving. Well, how, that's an interesting. Yeah. How have you grown it? How have you grown the event Well, it was an interesting thing because after 10 years in Vancouver, because our big annual conference was always right in the city of Vancouver. And as I said, a lot of other companies were showing up with their events and there was more and more and more going. And there was just so many choices for women to make of events that they could go to. And in the meantime, I had personally moved right out of the city and moved out to the Fraser Valley. And I really wasn't that excited about going right into downtown Vancouver anymore. It, it was, I was done. 10 years, I was done. So I thought, how do I want this to look? If this was me going to somebody else's event, where would I want it to be and what would I like it to look like? And I thought, well, I really love going to resorts, really nice ones. I like to drink wine. I like to eat chocolate. So how would I make all of this work? And it's interesting. It's like law of attraction when you put your focus on something. I had started doing a few events in Kelowna just to get a flavor for the Okanagan and see if they were receptive there. And they were. And I got an email from the general manager of the Sparkling Hill Spa Resort. They had just opened. They just built it in 2010. And it's owned by the Savorsky Crystal family. And this staggeringly beautiful, incredible resort sits on the top of a hill overlooking the massive Lake Okanagan. And it has three and a half million crystals built into the resort. So not just the beautiful light fixtures and art and that type of thing. There are crystals everywhere in this resort. They're on the backs of chairs. There, there's a crystal fireplace in every single room at the resort. And then the capper, the spa, is over 10,000, no, not 10,000 square feet. How big is it? Like, I don't know. It's bigger than a football field, whatever that size is. So it's like massive. It's huge. It's the biggest spa in Canada, to my knowledge. So I get this email from the general manager going, I heard about WOW, and we've just opened, and I think you should come up here as my guest for the weekend and check us out and see if you'd like to have your event here. I'm like, oh, interesting timing. So poof, off I went. And as soon as I walked in the door, it was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is where I want to have this <laughs> wow. amazing event. And I am bringing my tribe with me because they are going to want to come here. So if I have a WOW event on one day on a weekend, then people can come to the WOW event and get wowed and get empowered and have an amazing, powerful day. And then it's their choice. They can either leave and be very, very happy that they were there, or even better, in my opinion, they can take advantage of the great deal that the resort offers us for our people, and they can stay for the weekend. And they can have a gal pal getaway. They can bring their husband if they want to, whatever they want to do, and have a weekend away from the city. And so I thought, well, this will be interesting because I've never made this offer to my tribe before. But I think I was so passionate about the idea that everyone was right on board. And we sold out, I don't know, six months in advance. We were sold out. And then we had the first one up there and everyone was just raving about it. So every year now for five years, we have had our annual event up at the Sparkling Hill Spa Resort. <laughs> and we continue to sell out in advance and it's fantastic. So I would love to take some of these principles uh, for our listeners and viewers here on the podcast and videocast. So if someone is considering doing something with, like what you've done, 
uh, building up a community, doing events both on a local level, but also uh, you know outside of town, outside the city, outside of state or country as well. You know, like what advice, what tips would you give to someone who wants to do something similar to what you have done, but here in 2018, not way back 15 years ago? What is your advice or tips and strategies? Um, absolutely, you need to start with the concept of building relationships because I don't know that people so much bought the event initially that first year at Sparkling Hill. They bought in because of their relationship with me. I still stay very engaged with my people in my community, very much like you do, Ricky. You know, you're constantly engaging with your community, and people know that if, you know, Ricky's doing something, it's, you know, he goes above and beyond, you know, we can go and have these amazing resources of all these interviews that he does, all this great content he brings us. So over time, people come to know and trust that if you're doing something, that they know it's going to be worth their while. If you don't have that kind of rapport with people, obviously you have to start somewhere. So you need to start by thinking of providing above and beyond. Uh, somebody said, you know, uh, go in with a lower promise and a higher delivery so they're getting more than what they were expecting. Um, that's part of it. But I think anything that is based on the foundation of relationship with women especially, that that's critical. It's harder for me to speak to how you would build a business with men because that hasn't been my forte. And um, I don't know if the whole relationship thing would work there, to be perfectly honest. But it sure works with women. And women are behind 97% of the decisions anyways. <laughs> so forced to be reckoned with. And um, so once you start caring about people and providing value for people and having this foundation of your relationship, then if you're not constantly sell, sell, sell at people, then, you know, your relationship, you're providing value, you're providing content, and then every now and then you plunk in a thing, by the way, I'm doing this thing, if you want to check it out. So you seed what you're doing and let people know what you're up to and you extend an invitation. But again, you keep away from that hard sell, sell, sell. I think people are sick and tired of being sold to. And so, you know, you extend an invitation and just trust that, you know, what you have to offer, the right people will find you if you believe it. And critically, you must be coming from your passion. Absolutely, you must be coming from your passion. I am uber passionate about Woman of Worth for the reasons I mentioned earlier about having struggled in my earlier years with my sense of worth and value. So anything that celebrates their magnificence and, you know, celebrates how fabulous they are right now and provides more learning for future growth. You know, this is just a beautiful thing to me. I'm super passionate about it. People pick up on that. You can't fake that. And so if you're running a business just to make money, you know, maybe you'll succeed, maybe you won't. But if you want to go and have a retreat, absolutely, you've got to be super passionate about it. And it's de definitely exuding out of you, even through the podcast here, the video cast, where we happen to be on Zoom, and I can feel that passion. You know, we don't even have to be in the same room, and I can feel that. Uh, you're definitely very purpose-driven, and it goes back to what you were saying, the pain of uh, not feeling valued or worth or self-esteem, and now you've turned that pain into a sense of purpose and passion in terms of helping others who have that same struggle with, uh, with uh, self-esteem and confidence and worth and deservability. Uh, so your pains become your passion and your purpose. So it's definitely very inspiring uh, to see that uh, come into fruition. 
Um, so I'd love to c cover this uh, area you've been super passionate about for the last year, which is just a transition. I mean, it's the same principles, collaboration, bringing women together, uh, empowering them, uh, just another way of communicating the same message, which is the form of a book, uh, either digital or print. So tell us about the book idea. Uh, when did that idea start? And then how did you actually turn that idea into a reality? Not once, not twice, but now three times in the last year. <laughs> Well, it's interesting, Ricky. I was—I've um, always been a very good writer, and you know, writing comes naturally to me. So I knew I always wanted to write a book, and it seemed every time I got started on writing the book, something would happen. Someone would get sick. Someone would get die. Like, you know, there was just all these distractions that were serious ones, and they would kind of take me off my course. And then I sat down to start a book again, and I just kind of hit a block. I'm like, what is this about? I really want to write a book. And it's been years now. I've been wanting to do this. Why do I keep running into roadblocks? And it was like, you know, duh, you stand for collaboration. Why would you write a book on your own? Certainly your first one anyways. Why wouldn't you collaborate with other people and do something like a chicken soup for the soul kind of idea where different authors write different chapters and focus on what you're strong in and what you know and what you're passionate about, which is, of course, collaboration, empowerment, women. So I sat down with my publisher, who I knew was going to be my publisher before I'd written anything, which is someone that you know, Julie Salisbury of Influence Publishing. And I said, so I've decided I want to do a collaborative book. And will you help me? And she said, well, of course I will. She said, you're already 99% ahead of the game uh, because you already have such a great community in your WOW community. You have a lot of people in the WOW world. And if you put an invitation out that you're doing this book, my guess is it won't be particularly difficult for you to get people that want to be part of it. So we structured it all out. And she's like, this is what you need to charge people to make sure all the, like, these are all the costs that are involved. And it's critical that you offer a turnkey package that covers everything. You don't want to start nickel and diming people. You want to say, this is the price, this is the book, and this is what we want your stories to be about. So you pick a theme. Because the very first one, I wasn't sure that I would do more than one, but it became very clear after the first one that, oh yeah, we are definitely doing more. And she said, and you include everything. She said, you include me, that your book's going to be published through an actual publishing company. You include all the professional editing. You get professionals for everything. You get professional proofreaders. You get a professional graphic designer. Uh, you get everything professionally typeset, uploaded to Ingram, you know, professionally printed. You, she says, you have to include everything for it to be attractive to people. She said, because there's so many shysters out there that try to do these collaborative books and they charge a fortune and they really don't give you that much at the end of the day. They promise you'll have a best-selling book, but they really don't provide everything that you need to achieve that. And then they start charging you for other things. And she said, you know, just, just, do what you always do and give them a whole ton of value. And so that's what I did from the very first one. And it was easy. And she said, and you also need to be very clear what the timeline is going to be in advance. And you need to let your authors know what that timeline is. And you need to be very clear with them that if they don't adhere to the timeline, then they hold up everybody and that you reserve the right to kick them out of the book. <laughs> So I was like, wow, so I get to be a badass if I want to be, not that I really am very good at that, but, you know, you kind of come in as kind of a, you know, empowered badass and say, okay, 
here's the plan. So absolutely you need to have the plan in advance for sure. What is the book about? And what kind of authors do I want? And how long is each chapter going to be? What's the timeline? And, and you, I think it's really, really important that you partner with either a publisher, like I did with Julie, or someone who really knows how to do this, because you need to collaborate together on this. So you stick with your strengths to extend the invitation and get the authors on board. And then you have someone who really knows what they're doing in the world of publishing to oversee the rest. And then everyone works to their strengths and you have a whole lot of fun. We go way above and beyond because of course that's how I operate on everything. So one of the things that we do differently than I've seen other collaborative books do is we have a one day workshop with the publisher at the very start of the project. And we sit everyone down and we take them through a process that by the time the day is over, they know exactly what they're gonna be writing about and what the, all the subheadings are going to be in their chapter. <laughs> and, you know, they, they've started the process. Now they just have to go and fill in the blanks, basically, because Julie has a brilliant process for taking people through their why. Why is it so important for me to tell this story? And we give them a template of things that need to be covered. There needs to be a story. You know, it's not just a bunch of dry facts and figures. There's a story. We need, and we need you to be raw and real. We need you to be authentic. We need people to understand that, you know, it wasn't always easy for you, that, you know, you had difficult, challenging times in your life. And this is how you worked through it. And this is where you are now. And that makes it real. And people can relate to real. There's a lot of stories out there. It's like, wow, this person's so successful. And, you know, they're just, it's been easy for them. And that's not usually the case. So we come out, people bring their skeletons out of the closet and they write about it in our books and they let people know it's not always easy. This is part of my path. You know, some people had had um, sexual abuse and some people had had, you know, um, a traumatic situation with their spouse and some people had had unexpected deaths and you know, some really traumatic stuff and how what allowed them to get through that and not just survive through it but to actually thrive so that's really really important if you're going to do a collaborative book and then you have to have a timeline and you have to get your people to stick to it we go from that first day workshop to our launch on Amazon in three months Wow! start to finish three months done <laughs> Yeah. So while we're launching our third book next month, our fourth book is already starting to get underway. That is incredible. Just the fact that you uh, get people together, they commit within three months. You've done everything that needs to be done in terms of uh, getting them to submit, uh, editing, uh, you know, yeah, drinking the wine as you're uh, so fond of doing. Uh, of course, it's a great team building, uh, you know, uh, um, way, way to build the team. So uh, tell us about like, uh, how do you make that happen? Like uh, uh, practically on a practical level. So uh, when you have the book coming out, like for example, book number three, book number four, you put it out there on your Facebook world or your email world and you say, hey, we need 10 authors. Uh, tell, us, tell us about the practicality of achieving this remarkable feat of three collaborative books soon to be four in about a year. Yes, we, I have a system now. I didn't so much the first one because some of it was a learning experience. Mm -hmm. But basically, I get clear on what the book is about. 
And then I put out the invitation on Facebook. So I've prepared everything in advance. I know the theme of the book and what the cost is going to be. And I prepared an information package. It's not a long package. I think it's about three pages. So I put out the invitation and, and I tell people, if you have an interest in being part of this, um, let me know and I'll email you the information package. In that information package is a complete Q&A of all the questions that I came up with that if I was an author going into a collaborative book, what would I want to know before I said, yes, this is something I want to do? So I answered all of those questions, you know, and, you know, why would I want to be part of this book? What exactly is going to be covered, you know, during the three months? What kind of help and support am I going to get? What's it going to cost? You know, all these different things. And so I answer all the questions. So I send out that information package. And then I tell people that, okay, now that you've got all the details that you need, you have to apply. Because, for example, on the first book, um, I think we had about 50 valid applications. 50 people wanted to be part of that first book. They had read the information package. They were all keen. You know, the money was fine. The process was fine. Everything was fine. They wanted on. And I only had room for 15, one five, and I had 50, five zero that really wanted to be part of the book. And most of that 50 were valid applicants. You know, they, they all would have been a great addition to the book. So then I had to go through a selection process to decide who would be the best 15 for that first book. And uh, so then I make my selection and then we do the workshop and we're off to the races. And then I stay in touch with everyone. I form a private group on Facebook just for our authors. And so this is where we can all go and ask questions as we're going along, if people get stuck. And, um, and we just keep people on task and on their timeline, give them lots of support, lots of, you know, yay, you're amazing, <laughs> and really acknowledge them for everything they're doing great. At this point, their rough chapters are going back and forth with the publisher to make sure they're on the right track. Then as they get a little further along, then they go to the professional editor and some more changes are made there. So it's just this process. I mean, from the time of the workshop, they actually have to have their first draft of their chapter done in two weeks. So it's, um, and they do because we get so much done at, at the actual workshop. And so by extending an invitation and having an information process because it's no point having people apply until they know everything that's involved and what it's going to cost then they apply and then you go through your applications and you decide which are the best fits for your book let them know they've applied and then it's I'm my price is very very reasonable for my book I've seen most out there are far more expensive than mine um, but it's still an investment and so I make sure that people have to pay their deposit um, before we get underway so that I know they're committed and they're on board and they don't turn around and freak out and change their minds at the last minute. So that's an important piece as well from a business perspective is to make sure you get the person's deposit before the process starts. So if they do decide to back out, you've got time to replace them. And then you just stay involved with them, stay in relationship with them through the entire process. 
And in some areas, my publisher is much stronger than I am. So I kind of leave it in her hands as it's going through that piece. And then as we start getting closer to the launch date, which we are right now for our third book, now I'm kicking more back into gear because I've got more of a focus on the marketing and connecting with everyone. And when you have a dozen or more authors, of course, they're inviting all of their networks to participate in the Amazon launch. And the other thing that I include in my package that I don't think anyone does is we have a bestseller author party. <laughs> so once we've received number one bestseller status on Amazon, which, you know, I can't promise we will, but we always have and our system works. So I don't know why we never would. Uh, but once we achieve that, now we want to have a party. So I organize events. It's what I do. So I throw that into my contract with people. It's all included. And so we have an event that 250 people come to, and it's free. It's free for all my authors to invite their friends, their family, their colleagues, whoever. And we fill up the room, and we have a rockin' party, and we have guest speakers and entertainment we interview the authors and people can get their books autographed and it's just one hell of a celebration. We usually bring in tribute artists. We had Rod Stewart at the last one. We had Tina Turner at the first one and I'm not sharing yet who we've got coming in for the third one. And so it, it's what I do. I do events. So we have a great event and that's all included in their contract. And of course, every author gets a case of books as part of their contract as well. So again, don't nickel and dime people. Just give them everything you can possibly think of to give them and exceed their expectations. You're definitely the queen of exceeding expectations in terms of what you've done in the past and what you do with your events and, of course, what you do with your books. You've covered the costing. You know, you mentioned costing and money and uh, the income side of things. Tell us about the rough costs involved with this process. So uh, in terms of actually producing a collaborative book, what are the costs? What's the breakdown of what way those costs go towards? And then how much does it cost for people to be part of it in terms of collaborating? And, and when it comes to the revenue side of things, is it 100% uh, with you? Is it uh, distributed amongst the collaborators? Walk us through the whole money side of a collaborative book. Okay. Well, I can, of course, only speak to my books because I know everyone has different arrangements with different things. What I will say is that um, publishing a book right is expensive. It is. And if you are writing your own book and you're doing it through an actual publishing house, you can expect to be spending a minimum of $15,000 to write and publish your own book. That's with no team to help you. That's, you know, just you kind of left on your own devices to get your book written and hire your own editor and your own proofreader and your own graphic designer and all of those things. Obviously, there are millions of people who have done this and they've done it well, and that's wonderful, but it does cost money. And so I think most people understand this so that if they go and do their own book on their own, that they are going to be spending an absolute minimum of $15,000 to do it properly. Through our collaborative process, of course, we're able to split a lot of the costs, which is great. And it is a book that has chapters in it. So it's not just your book, it's our book. And the advantage of that is the costs get split. So I have costs, I have a contract with the publishing house that um, I pay Julie for her support 
through this entire process and for handling some of the offshoot costs that she's got the relationships with these people. So we have the costs of a professional editor, a professional graphic designer, a proofreader, a typesetter, a printer. I don't know what some of these costs actually are because she handles those pieces and it's all included in the fee that I pay to her. Um, I have my costs. I do cover off the printing costs and I have a spectacular printer in Victoria, BC. Of all the places that we looked, I really wanted to deal in Canada. That was important to me. I wanted to shop local. And yet, really, I didn't find anything that was a better deal in the States anyways, because I did research it just to see, well, you know, would I save very much if I went to the States between the difference in the dollar and the shipping and getting it across the border? There really wasn't any money to be saved. So it works out to before shipping and handling and all of that stuff, um, approximately $6 per book. And then you add on your taxes, your shipping and handling. And, you know, so it basically comes in approximately at $8 per book, complete everything. Now, some people might be able to get better deals than that, but I'm doing quality. You know, this is, um, I actually have a book here. You can kind of see it, but, you know, we do a really nice job on these books. And it's, it's beautiful quality. All the materials are all excellent professional quality. Um, everything is professionally typeset. It looks good. <laughs> I've read a lot of books and a lot of books I bought off of Amazon that I get them and I'm like, oh my God, did they print this on their printer at home? Like it's, you know, and, and go and stick a glue stick on the spine. Like seriously, the quality is horrible. And, um, and everything's immaculate. There's not a typo to be found in any of our books. Everything is done great. What are some of the other costs? Um, the graphic designer, of course, you know, she covers off the design of the front of the book, the back of the book, and the spine of the book creates 3D images that you want for your social media campaign as your promoted book. So there's a number of different elements creating bookmarks for the book. <sighs> what else do we do? Um, as I said, I do it a bit differently. I pay Julie extra to have our workshop at the very beginning of the process. I cover all the costs for the party at the very end. So that all goes on my bill. That um, I have some really good relationships because I am an event specialist. So for me to put on an event is probably much less than the average person because I do have excellent relationships out there that I've built over the years. And then one other thing that I have not mentioned is that all of our books, all the royalties go to charity. So that's just yet another thing that we do at WOW is we are very philanthropic and everything we do, we give back. And so I have just been in the process of forming my own foundation to create more donations for more good works. But for right now, all of our money from the books, from the royalties, 100%. We get all the authors are on board. They all agree that anything sold online, all the royalties are going to charity. And we pick various organizations that are about the empowerment of women, of course, <laughs> and, um, and help support them. And um, so, yeah, so we've got the philanthropy. So I donate all the books for the actual party. Um, and everything we sell there goes to charity. And everything that's sold online, all the royalties go to charity. 
what else did I miss? Did I miss anything? You were very, very, very comprehensive. So, uh, and of course, it, uh, it, it's uh, uh, like you said, it's uh, very personal to the model you created uh, in terms of the cost, in terms of the commitment, in terms of the quality, in terms of uh, you know the outcomes, in terms of like the charitable component. Uh, so it's amazing uh, what you built up. Uh, so in conclusion, Christine, I'm curious to know about your vision forward. We've covered a lot in the show, everything from your beginning uh, to where you are currently. Uh, so now yeah. I'd love to, you know, uh, conclude by uh, talking a little bit about the future. Uh, give us a teaser. What is the future for, uh, for Women of Worth? Well, I'll give you the teaser because I'm pretty excited about it. And, um, you know, the three standbys that are have been in, currently in the WOW world for the past year is we have the books and the book launches. We have the annual conference at Sparkling Hill Spa Resort. And we have the Women of Worth Awards which there are seven different categories. It's a big deal. It's again, it's another awesome event. And it's just such a wonderful way to recognize other people for, you know, how they're showing up in the world. And it's, I love the awards. And so my latest brainstorming with my coach in the past few months is I feel like there's more. I could just sit with these three things and carry on for the rest of my life and be quite content because what we're doing is really cool and it's helping other people and it's just, it's all good. Everyone's, it's all good every, all the way around is good. But if I were to do something else, what might it be? And I saw two things that I would like to do. One I alluded to earlier is not unlike what you're doing is I would like to start a podcast kind of idea and call it wow TV and interview amazing women and regular women and everything in between and just cover um, just cover the waterfront of empowering stories. It's about telling stories that uplift and inspire people. Again, it comes back to that authenticity that it doesn't mean life has been easy and you've just, you know, this has all been handed to you and, you know, here's my life. Yeah, I went to school. I started a business and life has just been wonderful. It's not usually that way for most people. So I really want to get down to the nitty gritty and really coax out some um, some stories from people, not unlike you just did, on how did you overcome this particular challenge? And, you know, how has that allowed you to shine? How did that bring more out of you personally so you can do what you do in the world even more powerfully, more meaningfully? So WOW TV is in the process of being born. And my my goal is to have it launched by the beginning of 2019. So just six months away. So that's percolating. And the other one is to bring back the regular live events and reformat them slightly and call them Wow Talks, which would be similar to TED Talks, but in a wow way and have the shorter talks so that rather than having, you know, a one hour keynote that gets, you know, goes deep, 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 that now we can have two or three speakers do a shorter talk, a shorter story, and just really engage with the audience. And then what we can do after the talks is now we get everybody in mastermind conversations. So they're sitting at their round tables and it's like, wow, what did we just learn? And how can we apply this to our lives so that when we walk out of here tonight, what's the three action steps that we're going to take in the next week to apply what we just learned? Because it's all great to hear about all these things and get all this knowledge, but how do I apply it 
And how do we support each other in applying it? And so that's going to weave into a whole coaching mastermind kind of amazing thing that's still being worked out. So I'm super juiced about that one because I love watching women make empowered change in their life. It just, it's, it's why I do what I do. And so the more tools I can provide them with and the more community and the more support, the more wine and chocolate, then, you know, the better. <laughs> Well, you've been uh, super inspiring. I hadn't uh, heard the whole backstory of what you do, and uh, I was super glad to have you on our show here today. And now, uh, people who don't know your full story can just listen to this interview, watch this interview, and know a little bit more about your backstory, where you're at, and now where you're going with uh, Wow TV, and then Wow Talks, and uh, the Wow Coaching Mastermind Programming, and much more. Uh, so, Christine, in conclusion, if people wanted to connect with you uh, to learn more about your story, to join your community, to buy your books, to uh, find out more, how can they do that? Well, they can start by going to the website, which uh, has been completely rebuilt because our original website was built 15 years ago. It was getting a little old, so it is supposed to be launching this Friday. Uh, there is a website there that focuses just on the books right now, but it's awomanofworth.com awomanofworth.com and as of this Friday it should be our entire website that shows everything. It talks about all our events, our books, our awards and our programs to come. So that's a great place to go and then there's a place that you can subscribe on there if you want to stay in touch with you. We don't spam. We don't send out emails every hour. We probably send out maybe one a month if that. <laughs> really try to keep that down as low as possible and not overwhelm people's inboxes. And of course, on Facebook, um, let me very quickly have a look on my page to see what the name of my Facebook page is specifically. That if you go on Facebook, excuse me, looking away here, I'm just looking at my book that has all my things on how to reach me. And on Facebook, it, my page is A Woman of Worth Wow. That's on Facebook. So really, that's where I do most of my activity is on Facebook. So I would say go to A Woman of Worth Wow on Facebook. Join our page, and we'll keep you up to date on everything that we're up to there, too. Perfect, perfect. And I'll have those links below. So if you're watching this interview on YouTube, it'll be right in the YouTube description. You'll be able to click through the website, the Facebook, and of course, uh, grab a copy of one, three, or even more of those books as they come out. So, and uh, if you're looking on iTunes, they'll be right in the show notes. So, Christine, uh, it was a joy and a pleasure to have you on the show here today. And uh, definitely wish you the best in this upcoming book launch. And thanks for connecting here today. Oh, thank you so very much, Ricky. It's been an honor. It has been an honor. So uh, thanks everyone for tuning into this episode. Make sure you connect with Christine. Uh, make sure you connect with us as well with daddyblogger.com. And if you're interested in being a digital nomad, digitalnomadmastery.com. And make sure you grab Christine's book. Make sure you grab a copy of my books as well. And we'll catch up with you guys in the next episode.